Yes, you are. Ed. All right, Ed, you did talk already, so you're done. Uh, so tonight we're on fear. We finished uh, resentments, and we're looking at the fourth step. So if everybody can turn the page. Uh, anybody know what page it is? That's a trick question. 67. And uh, we're looking at the fourth step, and we're looking at fear. And... Um, we're trying to look in the fourth step at what are the manifestations, what it, how does it look when I'm living a life run on self-will? How did my life look? What were the manifestations of self-will? And there are two things that we uh, inventory and look at is our anger and resentments in our whole life and how we were afraid our whole life. And, and so... Uh, we fear is the dominant thing for all alcoholics. It it destroys us. It separates us from any kind of peace and contentment. It causes all of our anger, and it causes all of our shameful conduct because we're trying to fix our fears, and we take actions and we harm people. And uh, if you want to live today and have any peace then I suggest that you uh, read these uh, two pages, it's four paragraphs, I believe, and look at fear, and then it says, we watch for fear all day long in step 10. Remember, we read that? And we don't wait for fear, we watch for it. So we want to learn tools now, so when fear is coming up, and I feel a little worried or anxious, I can stop and I can do the tools that I'm going to learn in the fourth step. Does this make sense? Because if we uh, live in fear, then we're separated from God, we have no peace, and we make a lot of bad decisions, and we get angry and bothered. Anybody uh, relate to that? Uh, I've heard people say they come in and they're not afraid. They're new people. Well, that's like the two fish are swimming, and they ask each other, where's water? Because fear, fear is part of us. We don't even recognize it as alcoholics. It, it, it dominates us. We're always a little uneasy. Even when things are good, I don't know about you, but I used to sit and say, well, what am I not worrying about? It, I'm okay right now. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. It, it's, it's so part of us that we don't even see it sometimes. And so we're going to look at fear in our inventory as it relates to a life run on self. Now, I had that handout, and I didn't bring any today, but remember, we all have instincts of life. There are three areas, sex, material, and emotional. And whenever what I decide I need to satisfy my instincts of life is threatened, whenever I get afraid that it won't come to pass, I get angry. And I also want to fix the fear, so I take bad actions. So what we're talking about is if my self-esteem is threatened at all, I get angry at you. If you threaten what I think I need materially, I get angry at you. If you threaten my sex instincts or my relationships, I get angry at you. If you uh, affect my ambitions, I get angry at you. You see how it works? And so who decides what I need to be happy? I do. And when I decide what I need to be happy, I decide what I need in all those areas, and I get afraid if I'm not getting it. 
So we're going to look at a life run on self-will, what the result is in terms of our fears. And so it's not pretty. I don't know about you, but I had fear from my earliest time. I was afraid to go to nursery school. I was afraid to go to kindergarten. Uh, I was afraid that I wasn't smart enough. I was afraid that I was too chubby. I was afraid I wouldn't get picked for the team. Uh, this was long before I had the first drink. I was afraid that uh, of rejection. I was afraid of failure. Uh, I wrote some down. I was at the meeting today with Ed. There's a new lady there. And I was thinking here, I was afraid of people, economic insecurity, approval, failure, rejection, not being good enough, failure to fear trusting God, relationships, fear depending on God, um, won't get what I want, and all my other fears stem from these. Now, the consequences of all this fear in these areas is that I would get resentment, harm people, and I would be disturbed. And I was disturbed my whole life. I didn't realize it. I was always uneasy, unsettled. And then what fixed that? Alcohol or drugs. And so behind all of these fears is resentments, and behind all of them is, is alcohol eventually. So if we don't learn how to look at fear and use the instructions for the removal of fear, we're in danger of drinking. Now, you may not drink, but you're certainly not going to feel good. Like Ed and I talk, you want to feel good. You can't feel good if you're afraid. You can't have any relationship with God if you're afraid. You can't have any peace if you're afraid. And so fear just dominates us. And so we're going to look at that. And some people, um, somebody said that fear is anticipating nothing that ever happens. <laughs> now, fear is also a false belief. It's a belief that something's going to happen in the future, and it's not true because it's not now. Right now, you're sitting in your chair worried about something that's going to happen tomorrow. Well, you're not in the now with God, and you're disturbed. And then you'll say, okay, this is going to happen tomorrow, so I need to do this now to fix that. And then when you do that, you're going to piss somebody off, and then you're going to be afraid that they're going to be angry at you, and you've created chaos just sitting in your chair. Now, if you've done that, you, you don't want to live that way anymore. So we're going to learn tools to look at fear. And if you try to manage your life and you put yourself as the director of your life and you're not letting God be your director, you're going to be afraid. And the reason you're going to be afraid is because you don't have the power to run your life. You don't have the power to manage your life and you're going to be afraid. Remember, it says we were under the delusion that we could rest, what? Satisfaction, happiness out of life if I managed it well. It's a delusion. I, I wanted to manage my life so I could be happy. So I was dependent on outside things to feel okay, and then I was afraid that they wouldn't come true. And it was just, it was a merry-go-round. And so we're going to look at that now. The instructions are on page 67. And we talked last week, it says, notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. So you turn the page back, and there are these four examples that they put in here for resentment. Now, you're never angry at somebody unless they generate some form of fear. 
if you notice, fear is with each one of these resentments. He's afraid of Mr. Brown because he's afraid he's going to take his wife away. He's afraid he's going to get his job. He's afraid that his wife's going to find out about his mistress. This is quite a guy, by the way. And, uh, and of course, he hates Mr. Brown for this. But, but it's fear. His self-esteem is always threatened. Whenever our self-esteem is threatened, we get afraid and we get angry at whatever it is that threatens it. And since we're dependent on other people or things to feel good or bad about ourselves, we can't manage those things and we're always afraid. And so, and they also have pride and pride and fear go together. And if, you're, if your pride, which is an excessive opinion of yourself, either good or bad, you're always gonna be afraid because you're going to judge everybody in relation to how you are. So he says fear is bracketed along the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word, four-letter word, fear, I heard somebody say, is false evidence appearing real. Our fears seem real to us, but where do they start? In my mind, and they're not even true. So what I like, this one speaker says, I'm supposed to ask myself whenever I get a thought. You know, these, I have a thinker in here. Anybody else have a thinker that talks to you? And when the thinker talks to you, you're supposed to say to your thinker, what's your source of information? Because it's usually some, some trumped-up thing, in the, and they call this the ego, the thinker, that thinks up these things, and they separate me from God. It says the short word somehow touches about every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. So what aspect of your life is not touched by fear? Think about it. You're afraid of approval. You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of unworthiness. You're afraid of relationships. You're afraid you're not going to have enough money. Your health, job, career. Uh, it goes on and on and on. And, and you might say to yourself, how's that working for you? Now, if you're bothered by anything, you go, you leave the meeting tonight. I may be bothering you, get over it. Uh, you, you get in your car and you're driving home and you get, you get bothered. And you get a fear. And why do you get that? Because you're running your life. So whenever I'm directing my life and playing God, I'm going to be afraid. And why? Because I'm relying on me who's not all powerful rather than God. And I'll never be happy. I'll never get enough. You know, never. Did anybody set goals and you get the goal and you're happy for an hour mm -hmm. or a day or a week and then you say, gee, that's all it is? I mean, I lived my whole life for approval. You know, I went to become a doctor so everybody would love me and respect me. And I became a doctor and I think that was a good thing for me, but it didn't, it didn't make me feel okay. It wasn't enough. Mother said you could have been number one. You're only number three. How'd that work for me? You know, I always wanted approval, and, and it was never enough. Then, so then I had to get the best internship so everybody would approve of me. So I moved someplace and had, was, was miserable with the weather and everything because it was the best internship. It still didn't make me feel good. So then I had to be a specialist, to be the best specialist, and it went on and on and on. Now I feel good just when I feel like I'm serving God and others, and I'm just being the person God wanted me to be, not what I'm getting but what I'm doing from being. And that's when I feel okay. So it says the short word somehow touches about every aspect of your lives. It says fear is an evil and corroding thread. Now evil is bad, right? 
and corroding means it erodes. So it's evil because it's, it's wrong and it makes you do what? It makes you do bad things. And it's evil because it disturbs you. And it's corrosive. It corros it's a corrosive thread. Now what it does is the fabric of my existence was shot through with it. So an alcohol comes in here and they're new. If you were going to take a tapestry of their life and put it on the wall, it would be woven through it is this evil, this corrosive thread that's destroying the whole fabric of your existence. So when you come in here and you're upset at them and the way things are in your life, when you actually look at it, it was you running your life full of fear that destroyed all of it. You made all these decisions based on self. It's not pretty. And you see that when you do your fourth step. You look at all your anger and your resentments and you look at your fears and your whole life is shot through with it. And it says, fear sets in motion trains of circumstances which brought me misfortune I felt I didn't deserve. So I'll be afraid and then I'll have a certain attitude or take certain actions towards something. And then I set in motion these events and behaviors and then it causes me misfortune. <clears throat> and then I said, well, gee, how'd that happen? I was just trying to do something, but I was trying to fix these fears inside of me. And it says, did not I myself set the ball rolling? I set all the misfortune in my life because of fear. If you don't believe it, look at your life. Look at all your decisions. Look at your relationships. And go over it with somebody in your fourth step, and you'll see how fear was behind all of it. If you're disturbed today, anything's bothering you at all, it's because of fear. It's because you're managing the world. If you're judging somebody, you don't like somebody. I know that doesn't happen to you guys. You're spiritually fit. But if somebody happens to bother you tomorrow, you're judging them. Why? Because you're afraid of the way they see you, or they're better than you, or you're putting them down so you'll feel better about yourself. And it says, did I, I myself set the ball rolling? And anybody I've ever worked with or talked to, their whole life is dominated by fear, but they didn't know it. They saw it as other things, you see? We think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It steals me any serenity. It steals peace. It steals uh, productive relationships. It, it, ste it steals any kind of uh, useful life. And it seems to cause more trouble than stealing. So there's a lot just in the fear. And there, there are two types of fears. There's the fear related to your anger and causing you to be angry because you're being threatened in one of your areas of life. And then there's the fear that when I manage my life and I'm running my life, and those are like money, your job, uh, health, relationships, these generic fears that we have that we won't get enough in those areas. And we're going to look at the second step proposition uh, probably next week or the week after. And that's the second step is when we are crushed by a self-imposed crisis. I could not postpone or evade. I had to fearlessly face the fact that what? God is what? Everything or nothing. What is my choice to be? So if I choose Michael as everything, I'm going to have fear in any area of my life. And so you can, it's a barometer of when you're back in self whenever you're afraid. And so uh, I didn't know that when I came here. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of the mail, phone call, 
uh, people coming to the door. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I was afraid of everything. Now, if like we get a phone call and my wife says, I need to tell you something, I, I always say, which wrong? Alcoholics do that. What, was it, what is wrong? I mean, it can't be good. Any change at work, it was always going to be bad. Some of them actually were good. They were really good. In fact, a lot of them were good. But I was afraid. It, it, it filled me with fear. Uh, we're afraid of change, right? And remember, when the, when the fear of, uh, of change is less than the fear of staying the same way, right? It used pain, but it's fear. Then we change. And it says, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. So here's the instructions. It's very complicated. I, I, I don't know, but I, I hope you can get this. You put them on paper. That's very hard to do, right? You take all your fears and you put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. Now, when I do inventory with people and they have the name of whoever is bothering them and disturbing them, we look at the fears behind it. And they're usually the same fears. Fear that I don't measure up, fear that uh, I'm going to be rejected, fear of disapproval, fear of failure. Uh, they're kind of generic for all alcoholics that I've ever known. And then there are the fears that don't have any resentment. Are you afraid of not having enough money? Are you afraid of uh, uh, retirement? Are you afraid of uh, drinking? Are you afraid of uh, uh, your health? Uh, there are people afraid of their health while they're, they're telling me they're scared of their health while they're smoking. You see, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, that's not for you, Clint. Uh, <laughs> but you got one more week. He's got seven more days, and then shit's going to hit the fan, I'm telling you. And so we asked ourselves why I had them. So you, you write your fears. Then the second column is, why do I have these fears? Well, money, I'm not going to have enough money, right? It, and so then it says, wasn't it because self-reliance failed me? Now, I still remember the first time I read this. I could still remember. It was like a flashing lights. And I read this, and it says, wasn't it because self-reliance failed me? I'd never seen it. I relied on me. I wasn't a bad person. I tell everybody when they do inventory, they feel kind of bad. Well, they didn't. They did very bad things, and they led a very selfish life. But the mistake that we all made was I was directing my life. I had the wrong director. I was relying on me. And my motives were always good, according to me. Anybody else here have good motives? Even though we made a mess of our lives, we all thought they were good motives. Why? We didn't know any different. See, when I grew up and I was afraid, I figured the only person I could, I didn't have a relationship with God, was I had to fix the fear by by doing and being a certain way, and, and it's exhausting. And when I read that, I said, self-reliance failed me. Wow. Now, I, I used to be an intelligent guy. I had a lot of degrees on the wall. They were worthless. I couldn't see that my real problem was I was relying on me, and I didn't have the power. And that was such a, a, a lift of the burden, because if I was relying, relying on me and it failed me, I can rely on God, and things will work out. You see how it works? And so it says, wasn't it because self-reliance failed me? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Now, we're not talking about um, trying to make sure you have enough money to pay the rent. Well, that can cause some fear, but go to work, you see? But if you're afraid to go to work 
because you won't have enough money to pay the rent, well, then that's not going to work out for you. You see? And it says self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Now, we're also not talking about rattlesnakes and fear jumping off cliffs and things like that. We're talking about self-centered fears that originate in here to fulfill what I think I need in my life to be okay. Some of us had great self-confidence. Uh, self-confidence is okay if it's confidence in self to do things that God puts in front of me. But self-confidence to manage my life and to make myself happy, that didn't work. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So then, how do we want to live? The big book, it's very simple, right? So you look at all your fears, and you look at how self-reliance failed you, and it says, perhaps there's a better way. And they're going to tell you now how to be free of fear. Isn't that something? And it's just, uh, it's just two paragraphs. I have to live on a different basis. I can't live on the basis where I'm running my life. Does anybody here think that to continue running your life to get what you want is going to make you happy? Well, keep doing it and see if you're happy. See if it works out for you. What it usually leads is to people drinking again. But if you don't drink, you're still going to be miserable. You can be sober a long time and still not have any emotional sobriety if you're still full of fear managing your life. So it says you're going to live on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. Now, did anybody take the third step prayer? Everybody likes the third step prayer. It's a good prayer. And you're making a decision in the third step to do what? To have God do with you whatever he would, right? Relieve me of the bondage of self. Take away my difficulties. Now, if, you, if you've made that decision and you've said that prayer, then what happens? Why are you still having problems in your life? You could say that prayer on your knees. You could say it in 10 different languages. And if you get in your car and you start running your life, you're going to be afraid. The prayer itself won't help you. The prayer is just your goal. It's a decision of where you want to go. What's going to help you is when you start to feel any kind of fear to recognize that you're relying on self. And you're never going to be free of fear if you're relying on self. So you have to stop right away and say, I, I have this fear because I'm managing this area of my life and I've decided what I want in this area or how people should be. So it says you're going to be on a different basis of trusting and relying upon God. You hear people a lot, they turn it over and they take it back. You heard that. I turned it over and I took it back. Well, um, I don't know what that means. All I know is that when I'm running the show, I don't feel good. I get angry and I get fearful. And then I have to stop and say, ask God to change the way I see things. And this is how you're going to do that, because now you know that if you're having fear, you're not trusting and relying upon God. Now, <clears throat> trust implies faith. And it says, faith without works is dead. Has anybody heard that? So I was thinking about it. If we have faith and we do the works, we get trust. So the people who don't trust God don't have faith, which is knowledge of God. And the steps are designed to give you knowledge of God so you have true faith. So if you haven't worked the steps, you can believe in God, say the prayers you know, in 18 different languages, but until you do the actions and you, you see God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself, then you trust God. Now everybody in this room is sober. 
which is a miracle. So if you can be sober, why don't you trust God to run your life? And he says that in the 12 and 12, he says if, if, you can, if God can relieve the obsession to drink, why don't we give him the rest of our lives? He says that's the riddle of our existence. I'll give you alcohol, God, and I'll give you, I'll give you money, but I want relationships. <laughs> well, that doesn't work. You have to give God everything. So fear is a barometer of what you're not letting go of. And you're the only person that can let go of it, and then God will immediately take care of it, take it away. Now, it doesn't say, and I misunderstood this when I came in, I thought uh, there's a different way. The basis of trusting or relying upon God. And then there were some words in here that they took out to get what I want. <laughs> See, I thought that the whole deal was if I trust and rely upon God, he'll set, get, take care of what I need. But that's not what it says because what I need is not what God thinks I need. And I have to remember that. So we're not doing this so we get what we want. We're doing this so we're relieved of the bondage of self, of, of trying to get what we want. It's different. I don't know if I said that right. But you don't want, you're not doing this so you get things. You're doing this so you let go of the fear of not getting these things. Remember, we lose fear of money, and that's in the ninth step. Isn't that a great promise? But a lot of people would rather have the money than losing fear of it. But in AA, you learn to be happy and, and, uh, and not afraid even if you don't have any money. Now that bothered Sandy Beach. He wanted the money when he came in. So the sponsor says, well, you don't get any money at AA. You lose fear of not having any. He says, well, I got seven kids. He says, get a job. <laughs> you see, it's, it's different. I'm relying and trusting upon God to be the director of my life. And then it says on page 63, it says what? We stay close to him. We play the role he assigns, right? He is our employer, so we work for God now. He will provide everything I need if what? I stay close to him. So th this whole thing of fear is when I move away from God and I separate from God, I have fear. And so the trust is on the basis of faith. Now the trust is the wheelbarrow. The guy is going over Niagara Falls and he's pushing a wheelbarrow. And we believe that he'll be, he'll make it, but trust is when you get in the wheelbarrow. So why don't we get in the wheelbarrow and let God take us across the falls? Why don't we do that? Because we really don't believe deep down that, that God loves me enough that he'll take care of me. If not, I would trust him. So I must be afraid that I don't, God doesn't love me enough to take care of me. And I didn't understand that. And then I, I got that. I listened to it this summer. And I listened to the speaker. And um, she, uh, she said this, and see if it makes sense. My fear of not being liked is the same as my fear of not being loved. My fear of not being loved is the same as my fear of not being good enough. My fear of not being good enough is the same as my fear of not being worthy. My fear not worthy is the same as my fear of being broken. My fear of being broken is the same as my fear of being nothing. My fear of being nothing is the same as I fear I don't deserve God's love. If I really believe that God loves me and, and, and he'll direct my life, then I would trust God. And so whenever I don't trust God and I have fear, I don't think God loves me. He won't take care of me. Now, who tells me that? See, I do. I, my ego tells me that, so I'll separate from God. 
But I know that God loves me and will take care of me because of page 100. And it says, uh, if we follow the path, so whenever I doubt that God can take care of me, anybody ever do that? Anybody ever doubt that God can really do it? Uh, I just read this paragraph. It says, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When I look back, this is what does it for me. I realize the things that happened when I put myself in God's hands were better than anything I planned. And when I see that, it makes me grateful. It makes me get close to God and trust him. And whenever I doubt God, I just say, well, gee, look at the things. I'm here tonight doing this meeting. Who would have thought this years ago? Uh, I, I didn't even imagine it. I wouldn't have even known. I didn't even know what the big book said. It says, follow the dictates of a higher power. So if I follow the dictates of God, I will live in a new and wonderful world no matter the circumstances. So this is the greatest promise in the big book, that if I stay close to God and I trust God, the world will be wonderful no matter what it looks like. And that I'll be able to be okay with whatever's out there. Now I'm going to tie that together. She does say one thing when, when she says, your fear not of being unworthy of God's love, she says, I call it something else, a fat day. I'm going to say those girls are mean. My husband's a jerk. I call it low self-esteem. You see, we see it as something else when it's really we don't, we don't think we're good enough for God's love. We're unworthy. And then it says... Uh, it says we trust infinite God rather than our finite self. Why is that a good idea? Because I don't have the power. God does. I'm in the world. This is the only thing that I'm supposed to do in my life. This is what AA, the only role for me is the role God assigns. <coughs> and so um, it says on page 77, what's our purpose? That's a good question. It says... At the top of 70 sides, at the moment, I'm trying to put my life in order. That's a good idea, isn't it? But it's not an end in itself. My real purpose is to fit myself to be a maximum service to God and the people about us. So what we're doing now, we started out, we're afraid because we're running the world to fill, figure out what I need to be happy in all those areas of my life. And now we see that the only thing I really have to do is take me out of the center of that and put God in and just play the role God assigns. Well, what's the role God assigns for me? Well, I'm a father, be a good dad. I'm an AA, be a good AA member, work with people, try to help them go through the steps. Uh, I was a physician, be the best physician. I'm married, be the best husband. Uh, every area of my life, just be the person God intended. And if I do that, then I'll have everything I need. And it says, I trust infinite God. I'm in the world to play the role he assigns. So here's the thing. Just to the extent that I do as I would think he would have us, and that's where prayer and meditation come in, and what, how I do as God would have me be, and it says I should be loving, patient, kind, and tolerant. And it says love and tolerance is our code of living, right? And so if I do that, and I humbly rely on him, humility again, and I rely on him, does he enable me to match calamity with serenity? Now, uh, I'm going to finish with that line. I'll open up and we could talk about fears. Now, when my son died, and it was 7.13 in the morning or 15 on a Sunday morning, I wasn't on call and the ER wanted me. 
I couldn't understand. So I'm a little irritated that they had the wrong guy, you know. I'm not on call. They're bothering me. And the guy comes over and he says, your son just died. And then I was standing there at the bottom of the stairs in the basement, and I could see this line in the big book. It says, just the extent that I do as I think you would have me and humbly rely on him while I enable to match calamity with serenity. And I knew if I just stay close to God, let him demonstrate through me what he could do, stay close to him, I'd be okay. Didn't mean I wouldn't be sad, but I would get through it. And then how, does, how did God help me? Well, he sent people in AA. When I went to the ER, there was... Ed Tuggle was there, and uh, when I came home, there were 10 or 15 people in the house, and there were like 20 people that night, and, and I had such support and love from, from people, and you were God's messengers. And so um, that's why I trust God, because I have faith that God can do for me what I can't do for myself, and that if I just stay close to him and let him demonstrate through me what he can do, then I'll be okay and just play the role he assigns and not the role I assign. Now when I play the role I assign, I get afraid. I won't, it won't work. So I hope this was helpful. It's a lot of information, but I've gone through this a million times. Every time I go through inventory with somebody, I learn more about uh, these fears. And uh, next week we're going to read the last paragraph uh, and on the prayer for fear and how we get free of fear. And then we're going to look at second step proposition. So now all I have to do is figure out